from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24 7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. We've got a new guest host with me, Alejandro Zuniga. He's, he's new to the site, uh, hitting the ground running. You know, he was his first week on the job was covering the Michigan football team's Big Ten championship. Uh, now he's now he's stuck with a little bit more basketball duty than he probably wanted this year. But but Alejandro, uh, before we start, we have a we have a loaded episode talking about Mike Elston. We're going to talk about some of the transfer portal departures, the draft declarations, uh, kind of everything but Jim Harbaugh related to the Michigan football team. But you know, we'll we'll wait until there's actually some concrete info on Jim before we before we have big discussions about it but but first of all thank you for stepping in and and go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself what you're about and and maybe a little bit about what these first couple weeks have been like for you yeah zach uh it's it's fantastic to be here it's fantastic to be uh working for the michigan insider and and with 24 7 uh so so i'm alejandro i i went to the university of michigan graduated in 2015 uh while i was there i i worked for the michigan daily uh, covered some of Brady Hoke's final season at, at Michigan and then the beginning of the Jim Harbaugh era. Post-college, I, I dabbled in sports journalism before taking kind of a different direction in Wisconsin and then down in Costa Rica, actually. So I am just back in the States for the first time in four years and seem to have come back right at the right time because, like you said, that first week was jumping right into the Big Ten Championship game. And going down to Indianapolis and seeing something that, quite honestly, I did not expect to see last year and did not expect to see maybe in, right. in a few years. Uh, but that, that was a ton of fun. Uh, went down to Miami for the college football playoff and now transitioning to basketball and keeping my fingers crossed that there are basketball games to cover. Right. <laughs> Well, eventually they'll 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 play again. We they're expected to play tonight against Illinois. We will we are due for a basketball podcast, so there will be one in the in the coming days. Uh, but but given that we couldn't get recording until Friday, we were like, well, let's let's see how they look against Illinois first, and then and then we can add some commentary there. So this is a football episode. Of course, you can read all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com from me, Alejandro, Sam, Steve. Bryce, Josh Newkirk, and, and then our national team as well. Lots, lots going on. I mean, it really is incredible how uh, college football really almost, I would almost say, doesn't have an offseason anymore with the transfer portal. Uh, obviously, Michigan had a pretty big couple of weeks, both in the transfer portal and in the draft declaration, because they didn't, their season didn't end. A lot of teams, you know, a lot of players hit the portal before their you don't have to call it a meaningless bowl game, but they're inconsequential bowl game. Uh, you know, some players de- declare for the draft and say they won't play in the bowl game. Michigan didn't have any of that, so they really didn't have any sort of off-season. I guess we'll call it what it is: transactional news. Uh, you know, there wasn't a, a transaction wire until until January for the Wolverines. So we'll we'll catch up on a lot of that. But first, I I think this almost got swept under the rug a little bit. Michigan hired Notre Dame defensive line coach Mike Elston. I guess it hasn't been officially announced, but uh, you know, 
our 24-7. Tom Loy, who covers Notre Dame, does a great job for them. Kind of broke the news. This is a big deal hire, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's a former Michigan player. He's always been kind of linked to the defensive line coach job, but it was always like he loves Notre Dame. He's happy there. Um, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's been with Brian Kelly for so long. Doesn't really want to want to leave. Well, Brian Kelly left, and it sounds like Elston did not want to go south. He didn't want to. You know, he's he's from Ohio, played for Michigan has coached at Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, and Cincinnati before Notre Dame. So he wanted to stay in the area, and then when Sean Nua departed for for USC, uh, apparently Helston, I don't know if he was the first call, but I got to think he was one of the first calls. I mean, this is a guy who's produced not quite as many NFL draft picks as Michigan has, but nine in the last nine years, if, if my counting is right. Uh, he's He's recruited well. He's a big part of Notre Dame's recruiting success. Uh, on the defensive side and on the offensive line, really. Uh, he's been the primary or secondary recruiter by my count for 41 four- or five-star recruits, uh, and that's over the past decade and change. So uh, this is this is someone who who really, I think, is a win on all fronts. I, I don't I haven't met him. I haven't seen him in practice, but but the defensive lines Notre Dame had, the NFL draft picks, the, the recruiting that they've success that they've had, um, I think this is as my my only question would be how does he mesh with maybe some younger coaches like Mike McDonald who's who's actually the coordinator of the defense Steve Klingscale's kind of the the pass game defensive coordinator so to speak um unofficially I, I believe you know how does he mesh with the coaching staff but at the same time you know I think uh he was spotted today at a at a coaching clinic in Lansing you know with all the Michigan assistants or many of the Michigan assistants he's wearing his 97 uh, national champion leather jacket. I mean, this, I, you know, it's, I don't think Michigan should always try to hire former players, but sometimes the opportunity there is just, is just too enticing to pass up. Uh, Alejandro, your, your thoughts. I, you did a story um, kind of getting to know, or you know, things to know about Mike Elston, your thoughts on this hire and, and kind of the, the impact that it can have. Well, Zach, uh, as you mentioned, he has one heck of a resume, uh, but but I do think you missed the most important part, and it's not even directly from him, but in fact, his wife makes cookies for the defensive line. At least she did at Notre Dame. Uh, that's, wife that's an and, old Greg Madison. That's a Greg yeah. Madison thing, isn't it? it I, I believe it is. Um, I, but yeah, they, they make a batch of cookies. They decorate them. They deliver them to the D-line uh, after if they, if they record a sack. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, intangibles right there, that that's what, that's what Mike Elston and family are going to be bringing to Ann Arbor. But no, you, you're exactly right with what you said. Uh, it's, it's a big get for Michigan, especially after the departure of Sean Nua. Uh, you know, he was around for, uh, for three years, you know, he, he, I think he did a really solid job this year with the interior of the D line, you know, he leaves and goes, goes out West and then Michigan has, has a big gap to fill. And especially with the amount of turnover on the D line from this year heading into next year, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on in a bit. And you managed to get get a guy who not only has he been really really solid as a coach, but has also been a pretty fantastic recruiter. You're getting someone who is either as good as Sean Nua or almost, you know, I'd say very likely is is a step up. And when you can do that after the year that Michigan had, 
that's really great news. And I think we've already seen that from, from the reaction from Notre Dame fans who are disappointed to see Mike Elston go. We've already heard from some recruits who are giving big thumbs up to that hire. And, you know, if, if you want to be that program that's competing at a Big Ten championship level, at a college football playoff level more consistently, this is the sort of reloading you have to do when you lose one of your coordinators. Yeah, and I think I think that last part is is something to, to really keep an eye on because I don't I don't know what he's going to be paid. I don't know what he was paid at Notre Dame, but I was running through the list of Jim Harbaugh's hires, and I, I think honestly, I think Jim Harbaugh has a great eye for young coaching talent. Like I would almost trust him more when he hires like a world at this point than than you know an established proven coach because it seems like you know whether it's Josh Gaddis, Mike McDonald. Um, you know, you could, you could run through the list a little bit more than that, but it, it does seem like he has a very good sense for who's, who's ready to make that leap and, and keep climbing. Um, but, but at the same time, this is a, this is a big boy hire. You know, I, I was thinking the last time Michigan straight up poached somebody as a lateral move from a, from a legit, you know, top 15 program, I, the Mike Hart, Indiana, uh, when Indiana was coming off a good season, sure, but Indiana doesn't have the resources that that Michigan does, and and um, you know Josh Gaddis, he was technically co-offensive coordinator at Alabama, but I think all signs, even I think he he even himself has has admitted he wasn't the the play caller, he wasn't really the coordinator, he was kind of the the second coordinator there, and so um, you know they've been able to make some really good hires, but but this is one of the rare, I guess, splashy poachings that Michigan and Michigan like historically hasn't really done that either so to me I I can't help but wonder the fact that there was at least some uh rumblings and and smoke you know behind them getting the the defensive line coach at Texas A&M who's getting paid uh 850 grand a year yeah I can't help but wonder if this is a little bit we won't talk too much about the Harbaugh deal right now but one of the things being mentioned is is not only does does Jim want more money um, you know, to, to match his market value, but, but uh, he wants his assistants to get more money. And maybe this is a sign that maybe Michigan's going to open up the purse strings a little bit more. Cause if you look at the assistant coaching salaries, they're a lot more than you and I make and a lot more than most of our listeners make, but they're, you know, to other programs, Michigan doesn't have a ton of, you know, $800,000 position assistant coaches. You know, they, they've got a lot of guys under, under half a million a year. Um, and, and I, I don't think they're necessarily underpaid based on when they were hired their market value, but obviously when you make the college football playoff, uh, it's time to, time to spread that money around across the board to make sure you keep, keep the train running the way it is. So yeah, I'm very curious to see what the salary is. It, it could just be the stars aligning a little bit. Brian Kelly leaves, goes to a program that, um, is very different than Notre Dame. You know, Elston probably will be more at home somewhere in the Midwest based on his entire coaching track record than he would be, you know, he's he's not gonna do the Brian Kelly and, and start talking in a in a Cajun accent and, and trying to hit the trail. You know, I would like to see that though. <laughs> right. And so uh you know, this is this is probably a better fit. I'm sure at some point in his mind he thought he would return to Michigan because he didn't just didn't just play here. Um, you know, he was, he was part of some very good teams in the nineties. He also you know, his first year as a, as a student assistant 
was 97. And I think he coached here until 2000, if, if that's off the top of my head. But uh, he, he was at Michigan for a few years as a coach as well. And so this is, in many ways, going to be home for him. And so maybe the stars just align. But I also think, you know, you can tell by, by Notre Dame's reaction on the message boards and social media, um, they would have loved to have kept him. You know, I, 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 think, I think that's fair to say. And I think it's fair to say this was a big win for Michigan uh, in an in a offseason that has, has at least optically not quite gone according to plan. I, I, I don't think that they're in as much danger. You know, I, I think fans might, might be, you know, see the headlines and, and get a little dizzy. And with all these players leaving, uh, with Jim Harbaugh, the rumors floating around, you know, this is a very solid win for Michigan. And let's go ahead and stick to the defensive line. We're going to talk about, um, you kind of go across the board, some of the biggest holes following the draft decisions along with the transfer portal. Not too many holes left by the transfer portal. It's It's been backups so far. Obviously, more depth is more depth. But but I really think that the biggest hole and, and the area I identified as somewhere Michigan should really um, hit the transfer portal hard is, of course, that defensive line. You know, they didn't just lose Sean Nua. They also lost Aiden Hutchinson, who was expected to depart. David Ajabo, who's expected to, to depart. Christopher Hinton was not expected to depart. So that's something Michigan might need to keep an eye on. You know, I've identified kind of who's who I think could be next. Obviously, Mozzie Smith uh, still has a few days to, to officially announce if he's coming back for his senior year. But at this point, I kind of anticipate that he, that he would, based on the fact that he hasn't announced. Uh, you never know. Taylor Upshaw has some experience. Brady McGregor, former blue chip recruit. Um, you know, I, th- I think they have actually recruited the the defensive tackle spot. I think their their twenty twenty one recruiting class was was very good. Rayshon Benny, George Rooks, Ike Awuna. Um, you know, I think they've I think they've got some pieces. Mike Morris had a good year. Chris Jenkins had a very good second season. But but Alejandro, what what is your thoughts on the, on this defensive line? Uh, who's coming back? How big of a deal? Is it that that you know Hutchinson, Ajabo, and Hinton are all heading to the NFL draft? Hutchinson was was um, expected before the season; he was a senior. But the other two were were early departures. Uh, and then and then, kind of your thoughts on, on you know, what's what's top on Elston's to do list? Is it is it transfer portal? Is it recruiting? Is it um, trying to trying to mold maybe the the clay that you have in in front of you? Your thoughts on the defensive line? Yeah, uh, I think it's all of the above. Uh, when you, I think there's no surprise, obviously, that Aiden Hutchinson went to the NFL. That was never really a question. David Ojabo, you know, as someone who couldn't really take advantage of the name and image and likeness benefits that some U.S.-born players or all of the U.S.-born players on the Michigan football team uh, can take advantage of. It makes sense that he would go pro. And then Christopher Hinton, a bit more of a surprise. Uh, little insider tidbit he's probably the only guy who declared for the nfl draft so far that we didn't have a story pre-written for uh didn't fully see that one coming but when you take a a step back and look at you know how touted of a recruit he was his family connections to the nfl and he's been around the program now for three years it makes sense that he would take that jump uh but that means that uh that means that elson's going to come in and he's going to have a d-line that's replacing three of its starters uh, with Mozzie Smith still up in the air. Uh, 
and when you look at Michigan's defense, what they were able to do in 2021, uh, interior of the D-line was one of the bigger questions coming in. And Hinton and Mozzie Smith really stepped into that role and didn't necessarily turn it into one of the biggest strengths on the team, but they were absolutely very solid. And they were one of the reasons that defense was one of the better ones in the country. Uh, but if you're losing Hutchinson and Ojabo, that's 25 sacks between the two of them. You cannot expect, even in your wild, wildest dreams, that you're going to come in 2022 with anyone who can replace that sort of production. So whether you're looking at some younger guys to step up, whether you're hitting the transfer portal hard, I, I really do think you have to do both of those because that's where you've lost the most after the 2021 season. Yeah, I think the, the the good news for Michigan is they have, you know, in terms of hitting the transfer portal, uh, especially at the edge position, they they have starting spots to sell. I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the academics. I think they're very legit, the academic hurdles. Um, I, I think there is a lot of truth to that. But I think the thing that's actually hurt Michigan a lot is, is even last year, they didn't have, you will be the starter, you will be the key guy. They didn't have that at too many positions. I mean, you know, some of the, the transfer portal players that they looked at. Um, granted, they were also late to the game last year because of uh, all the coaching decisions. I, I don't think even at this point last year, Jim Harbaugh's contract was even finalized. And, and they didn't, I don't know if they had a defensive coordinator in mid-January. So so this year, they, they're still behind because their season ended later than a lot of teams. But at least they're able to start making some of these calls a little sooner. And that's where that's where Elston will be really impactful. And one thing to keep an eye on with Elston, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, the Notre Dame to Michigan hire is very valuable because he is not going to be someone who runs into a bunch of issues where suddenly all these players he has connections with don't want anything to do with him because he's going to a school that's that different than Michigan. Notre Dame and Michigan, honestly might be the most, Notre Dame is probably the most similar program to Michigan right now in terms of the geographic hurdles, in terms of the academic hurdles, and then also in terms of kind of where they are as a program. They had a little bit of, both of them had had some down years uh, in the 21st century. I mean, Ohio State, it's just really hard for either of those teams to compete against Ohio State right now because um, Ohio State never had a down, they had one down year and an interim coach year in the last 25 years. Michigan, Notre Dame, they've had a little bit more of their ups and downs. And I think they're they're both in the same boat in terms of who they recruit. Michigan probably has more recruiting battles with Notre Dame than any other program. Maybe Michigan State, but really I think it is Notre Dame in terms of their top targets. And so I think Elston's going to have a little familiarity in that he the guys he's gone after, the, the familiar names he knows on the recruiting trailer and the transfer portal market they're going to be players Michigan can can successfully pursue. But I think I think the big thing at edge is you know the edge defender position where Ajabo and Hutchinson, you mentioned it, 25 sacks between the two of them. Um, not a lot of returning sacks on Michigan's team. And and so they're going to be able to go to whoever enters the the portal and and you know they missed on a a few guys have already committed, but you know, they're going to be able to say you can be the next this you can be the next David Ajaba you can be the next Aiden Hutchinson and whether they actually fill into those shoes 
that that is less likely and that remains to be seen but at the same time you know Michigan's draft success at that position is it, the proof's in the pudding at some point I, it's just incredible I think I think every starting either defensive ed end or edge defender has been drafted in the in the top 100 since Jim Harbaugh arrived you know Chris Wormley Taco Charlton Chase Winovich Rashawn Gary Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo. I mean, that's that's a quite a run, and and they've even had guys get drafted fairly high uh, who weren't starters. You know, Josh Uche, Mike Dana, um, guys who were playing in the playoffs this weekend. So, feels like they should be able to 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 dream big on the transfer portal. There at tackle, I'm not quite as sure what they do because I think if Mozzie Smith comes back. Obviously, if he departs, then they really need to hit the transfer portal. But, but if he comes back, I really liked what I saw out of, out of Chris Jenkins and Mike Morris. You, know, I, there's certainly Michigan should still hit the portal. I think I put them at a, a five or six out of ten on on how badly they need to hit the transfer portal. When I did my story, kind of breaking down Michigan's transfer needs across the board. But I don't know that they can sell automatically a starting spot unless there's you know, a future top 100 NFL draft pick just sitting in the portal. But usually those players either declare for the draft or they stick with the team that they've got because they're obviously a star and it's working. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be really interesting. I, I got to think that they're going to call up pretty much every edge defender that hits, hits the portal. Um, tackle, they might be a little bit pickier, but at the same time, there's there's a need for some depth and some bodies. And that might be a one where they wait wait until the spring See how George Rooks, Rayshon Benny, you know, Ikawana, some some of these younger guys, if they start looking good, then you might not see Michigan hit the portal. But if they start hitting the portal in in March or April or May, you know, start start seeing them link to more players, then you might see a situation where they where they look a little harder. Now they they have they are hosting one two lane grad transfer. Uh, he's three hundred twelve pounds. He's coming this weekend. I'll pull up his name in just a second, but. Alejandro, I guess, um, from what you saw from from who's next this season, what I guess what what would what do you think of my assessment of the transfer portal needs? Is this is this like red alert for both positions? Am I maybe overselling the backup defensive tackles or underselling the edge backup edge defenders? Uh, what are what are some of your thoughts on just how urgent it is? I wouldn't quite go as far as saying red alert. Uh, I think I think amber alert might be more appropriate. Uh, you're never going to have, or, or you can never expect to have replacements for Hutchinson and Ojabo one to one replacements. That's just not going to happen. Uh, I think you're you're right that Michigan got some good play out of its defensive tackles this year. Uh, obviously, they didn't necessarily show up to the same level as as a Hinton or a Mozzie Smith, but they they were serviceable, and, and you kind of expect especially with some of the younger guys to take that next step. Uh, you know, you get the freshman to sophomore year jump with a lot of the guys in the D line. And that's kind of what you expect to see out of, you know, a guy like Rayshon Benny, for example, he's a guy who can uh, highly touted recruit who can make that second year leap and really be a contributor when there are other absences on the line. Uh, I mean, going back to, Going back to Mike Elston, though, that's that's one of the reasons why this hire is so important. This is someone who has he had more than a decade 
uh, of experience uh, with <laughs> alongside alongside Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly actually I just want to read a quote uh, from him. He uh, Brian Kelly said of uh, of Mike Elston that he's without a doubt a future head coach, one that we're very very fortunate to have on our staff, uh, and he's a vital resor- resource in recruiting. Uh, in fact, Elston was the recruiting coordinator for a couple of years. I believe it was 2016 through 18. Uh, he was not in that position. And then he, they brought Notre Dame brought him back to that position in 2021. And he put together a really good class as recruiting coordinator. He was speaking a few months ago and saying how his focus is how can we get recruits to say yes? How can we get them to say yes to Notre Dame? How can we get them to say yes to, to buying into the message, the philosophy? And when you're looking at position groups on the defensive end, whether it's your D tackles or your edge rushers, where Michigan is going to be looking for recruits and potentially looking for those transfer portal candidates, you want a guy who can get those prospects to say yes. Uh, So that's where I think that Elston is really going to make a difference. As you said, already saw him out and about wearing a, a Michigan Letterman jacket. And, and you need him to make that immediate impact right there. By the way, the name of the Tulane grad transfer, Jeffrey Johnson. I just didn't want to get it wrong. So uh, he's 312 pounds, 6'3", former three-star recruit from Mississippi. I mean, it seems like most of his suitors are Southern. <laughs> so so we'll see, you know, if he... You know, he's officially visiting this weekend, so um, he'll find out really quickly if he, if he wants to hang out for a, for a Michigan winter. But but at the same time, uh, you know, certainly certainly a starting job to sell at Michigan. So it's not going to be. And, and my my assumption, it's given that Michigan didn't have a defensive line coach, is that this is uh, kind of the analyst, but also maybe Mike McDonald, George Hilo, kind of getting in there saying, "Here's here's the role we see you fit for." So we'll be. We'll be interested to see how that goes because that I mean he would um, he's been very productive at Tulane. I imagine he would start next to Mozzie Smith. And then the one the one thing to keep an eye on is Michigan. They they kind of went schematically. They didn't actually do a true three four. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a four three, but like they had Ajabo and Hutchinson in a lot of the time. And and really, I think. Mike McDonald's vision is maybe three defensive tackle types. Now, a couple of them you want to be a little bit more agile, like maybe a Mike Morris or Julius Welshoff. Um, and then you have your have your big nose in the middle. We didn't actually see a ton of that this year because they had two very great edge defenders. So that that will be something to keep an eye on. Is is may, it might be dependent on on who's picking up the phone when they call. You know, in terms of in terms of the transfer portal and. And, um, you know, who stands out in the spring? If it's, if it's a lot of guys in the interior, if it's Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, um, you know, Julius Welshoff and, and Chris Jenkins, if, that, if that's your strength, well, then maybe you try to find a way to get three of those guys on the field at the same time more often. So um, we'll, be, we'll be interesting to see. I mean, they can, you know, we know Mike McDonald likes to mix and match. Probably, I think Georgia and Michigan State both exploited how much Michigan likes to mix and match, you know, its personnel. But, but that is something to keep an eye on. Is is I think who's good for you is going to be who has to be on the field, and so finding a way to get close to your top eleven. I, coaches say that it's very hard to get your 
you know, if your best 11 players are all defensive linemen, they're not on the field. But same time, maybe with Hinton's departure, that certainly, uh, certainly can't say it as confidently, but perhaps the interior is a strength of this defensive line. And, and perhaps maybe, maybe you've got a situation where you want some of the more of those linebackers on the field. I mean, we will have to see what a guy like Jaden hood does in year two. We're going to hit a break on the other side. We'll talk about the rest of the, well, not, we're not going to go one by one, but we'll talk about some of the other key departures and, and where Michigan stands, whether they need to look at the transfer portal, some of the biggest holes on this team heading into spring ball. We'll talk about it all. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So the other surprise departure, I don't know, I, I guess expanding my viewpoint, it doesn't seem as surprising, but I think cornerback is very, it's an interesting position because Vincent Gray declared, I, I had a story written on him making a decision, but I kind of had assumed he was he was coming back. Again, zooming out a little bit, I'm like, okay, they have... DJ Turner, he emerged as their best cornerback. They they love Jaden McBurrows. I think he was injured toward the end of the season, but they they really love what they have in him. Will Johnson, a five star, uh, coming in, gotta think he's going to have a chance to be an uh, instant impact recruit. And then if Jamon Green comes back, which he has not made a decision, but I think if he hasn't made a decision by now. I would put the odds slightly in favor of him staying. I guess that room does get full pretty quickly, but but Vincent Gray departed. Andre Selden uh, departed. And he had an interesting tweet. We, we don't need to discuss it um, because you know he's he's entitled to say what, what's on his mind, but, but he mentioned uh, you know, he didn't want to leave Michigan, but but he asked his Twitter followers to imagine you know being told by your employer that you can't get promoted no matter how hard you work. Now, you know, I won't speak for him, I won't speak for Michigan, but that that has me thinking that they really like McBurrows that much and that that he's someone that they really think will be a starter for them next year. Um and then uh Darren Green Warren also transferred out. He I think he landed at Nevada. Um if I'm missing a cornerback who was transferred out, let me know, but but still, they, I mean, you're talking about three guys who have who have departed. Uh, oh, George Johnson as well. I think I think he wants to become a receiver elsewhere, but he was someone who was actually scratching the two deep uh, this this fall, um, at least early on in the season before uh, I think McBurrow's kind of maybe passed him. 
So Alejandro, your your thoughts on this cornerback room? It's it's interesting. You, you don't if you're if you're Michigan, you don't want players to transfer because you like the depth. At the same time, I do think that they probably have their 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 four best guys still. I don't know if Vincent Gray would have beaten McBurrows or would have beaten Will Johnson. Uh, this year he did, but it does seem like they have a nice four. And maybe you're seeing something where Steve Klinkscale, who was coaching that that cornerbacks room, he was a late addition. He I don't think he arrived to, to he wasn't hired by Michigan until June last year. Maybe you're starting to see him take a little bit of control and say, here's who I think should be a starter moving forward. Your thoughts on the cornerback room? I don't think it's quite as dire as the defensive line, but it but it has been busy. I mean, they do have a lot of players leave from this year's team. Yeah, and it's not just corner. I mean, you look at the whole the whole secondary, and you're going to have a lot of new faces next year. Uh, obviously, there was no surprise when Dax Hill declared for the NFL draft. That's something we all sort of expected. Uh, but he's a player who who gave Michigan a lot of flexibility uh, with the secondary. You know, he was someone you knew was not going to get edged. You could put him on the wide side of the field. You could leave him on an island a little bit and know that he was going to make the play. Uh, Speaking of Vincent Gray, you know, he did have a better 2021 after the rough year that was 2020. Uh, But as you said, with, with the amount of talent that Michigan has in that cornerback room, you wonder if he did kind of read the room a little bit and know that this might be his best opportunity to take that next step given the amount of playing time he had this year and given that he did put together a solid year even if he did get picked on a little bit by Georgia in the college football playoff uh, but you do have a lot of talent and and I think you're you're exactly right with Will Johnson uh, he was a real cornerstone of that of that class and He's, you know, when you're, when you're a DB, that's the sort of position where you can come in, make it to college, be an early enrollee as he is, and start having a pretty instant impact. Uh, but Michigan hit the cornerback position pretty hard for this class. You know, they, they've signed six DBs, and I think you're going to see some of them get some playing time next year. Uh, but they do have the talent. Uh, they do have, they do have, like you said, McBurrow's whether it's DJ Turner, Jamon Green, uh, and, and a lot of younger players who stepped up at the end of 2021, they have the talent. So it's not so much it's not so much a dire situation as much as it is who's the next man up, and and how can how can Michigan account for the gaps that are going to be uh, that that are going to exist in the secondary given the amount of talent that's leaving after 2021. Yeah, and the the one thing that they will be missing because we. I, I, we always joke, Alejandro, uh, you haven't necessarily been a part of this for that long, but like our podcast, we always talk about how underrated Brad Hawkins is. And here we go, forgetting to mention him again, but but he only allowed uh, four receptions all season as a starting safety who played, oh, how many coverage snaps did he play? 444 coverage snaps. And he only allowed four receptions, 28 yards. Um, you know, he had uh, three pass breakups. You know, he did not... Did not allow, or he allowed one touchdown, but 15 targets, four receptions allowed. I mean, he was excellent in pass coverage. Gave them well above average for the safety position. That's not always a position where you have uh, the prettiest coverage stats. And he was he was excellent. So he's another player that they're going to have to replace. 
yeah, you're you're right to bring safety in because I, I imagine some of these players are going to be moving around a little bit. Uh, but at safety, it seems like they have two starters ready to go. Uh, RJ Moten and, and Rod Moore. I thought Rod Moore really had a fantastic November. I thought he really emerged for Michigan. The kind of the kind of emergence that Michigan badly needed, especially with two safeties kind of out the door or heading out the door. Um, you know, Moten, he's got room to improve, but but I think he's got the athleticism to do it, uh, especially given all he did as a redshirt freshman this year. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I think would not be surprised. I'm not predicting this, but I would not be surprised if after spring ball, maybe a couple other players transfer from the secondary. Uh, if they're not in the two deep, because there are a lot of players kind of, I, I almost forget who's at safety and who's at corner because it seems like they bounce around so much, but players who have not played so far who are in their third and fourth year. And one thing on Vincent Gray, uh, he was a surprise declaration, but he also had his degree or will have his degree. I mean, he's a fourth year player. I think I would advise fans, not just Michigan fans, but college football fans, uh, stop penciling guys in as, as five-year players. You know, I think at this point, you know, with, with um, how college football is, you know, fifth-year players are more the exception, at least staying at the same program that they were at before. I mean, players players want to play. They want to start, and, and if they are starting, then they want to go to the NFL. And once you have your degree, there really isn't a, a huge argument against it. Maybe some NIL deals, but I, I think, I don't know if uh, second or third cornerback is going to get that kind of deal. So I, I, I uh, really, I probably would have told Vincent Gray, you know, kind of, factoring in all of this said yeah this is probably a very good shot for you to go so it's going to be going to be interesting I think if I were Michigan you know the transfer portal uh, at the secondary level I, I would go for experience if you see a grad transfer who wants to be a part of the program you, you probably can't guarantee a starting job unless it's unless it's like a real top shelf guy um, and and you know top real top shelf guy once again might not be trying to transfer <laughs> just just yet. So um, unless it's a top-tier guy, probably can't sell an automatic starting job, but you can sell the opportunity to compete. And then I think you can sell, you can be the veteran leader of this secondary because I think they have a lot of talent. I think the group can be good next year, but it's also inexperienced, which which means that there's going to be some variance and there's going to be some ups and downs. And and there's some uncertainty. They don't know what these players are going to look like in spring ball or in fall camp. You know, Brad Hawkins, Dax Hale, they kind of knew what they were getting. And so, um, yeah, I think if there's a grad transfer, you know, I'm thinking like a you know, someone from a, from a MAC program, if there's like a grad transfer who wants to wants to give it his best shot at Michigan, you know, maybe this is this is the year to do that. Uh, same time, they do have a lot of players in the secondary. You don't necessarily want you don't want to overcrowd the room, but they they just they don't have a lot of guys with experience. If Jamon Green returns, he would really be him and DJ Turner are really the only guys who have like hundreds and hundreds of game snaps and multiple years of doing this, um, which is a testament to RJ Moten and Rod Moore for stepping up as freshmen. You know, maybe passing some some slightly older, more experienced players. But that also does put you in a position where you're going in next. You're not entirely sure what you're going to get. All right, Alejandro, last last little bit for us. Um, you know, you mentioned 
a lot of draft declarations. You mentioned a lot of uh, transfer portal. A lot of the stuff we kind of expected, especially the draft declarations, you know, Andrew Stuber, Hassan Haskins, uh, Josh Ross, not much of a surprise there. as a fifth-year guy. Stuber was a fifth-year guy as well. Um, not, not a ton of surprises, but is there, outside of the two position groups that we've already talked about, is there somewhere on Michigan's roster where you are looking and saying they should really look hard in the portal here? I mean, they're going to look at hard, they're going to look at the transfer portal every day anyways, you know, because if a good player comes along, you're not going to pass that up. But is there somewhere where if you're Michigan, you're maybe digging a little extra hard, recruiting a little extra hard, trying to fill a role from some of these departing players? I think if, if you've been listening to this entire podcast and, and if you're still with us, first of all, thank you. Uh, but second of all, uh, the theme that you may have heard is that there isn't too much concern on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think that none of the departures on the offensive side, maybe with the exception of, of Dalen Baldwin, uh, the receiver, were really much of a surprise and will really or, or, and really impact our assessment of, of the offense next season. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, th- that's where some of those concerns pile up a little bit more. I'd say linebacker position is somewhere where you always want to be looking at the portal. Uh, linebacker position is one of the, if not the most difficult position to play. Uh, and, and Michigan will be looking to replace, uh, they'll be putting in some new faces next year at, at linebacker. And so if you can, similar to what you're saying in the secondary, if you can get a veteran guy, someone who, who really knows defense well and can be either an impact player or can be a mentor uh, to some of the younger, talented faces that Michigan has, uh, that's where I think you make some some calls in the transfer portal because you get a guy, you get a good linebacker, someone who can really be a captain of the defense, and that helps solidify that entire unit. And when you're going to have so many new faces next year across the defense, that can really make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can't disagree with that. I think I think there's... Yeah, the more the merrier, really, for for good linebackers. And you, you had some players who who still had their ups and downs. You know, Junior Colson. I think he'll be fantastic, but I don't know if he'll be. You know, I, I can't. You can't guarantee that he's going to be first team All Big Ten after what he showed as a freshman. I thought he had a great freshman year. He was named a freshman All American in multiple publications, including twenty four seven Sports. But um, you know, it does that leap come in year two or year three? You know, Nakai Hill Green. I thought. Thought he had some great moments. Uh, he also, you know, had had his struggles, and so yeah, there's definitely uh, room for for a lot of improvement there. And that's that's a position where Mike McDonald, I think, you know, he's very comfortable in the players he's recruited. But I think also, you know, he'll he'll be able to vet himself. Him and George Hilo will kind of be able to to see who's going to really help Michigan and who's not. Uh, offensive side, you know, I, I will give Michigan credit. They did already pick up two transfers, you know, both from Virginia, Andrew Gentry, who's, I guess, technically a recruit. I don't know if that's a transfer portal because he was, he was serving a Mormon mission. Um, and then Olu, Olu Watimi, um, Remington finalist for Virginia, his, his PFF numbers check out. Uh, he's, he's very good. I think that's a perfect fit. You know, Michigan's losing Andrew Vistardis. 
and and they add Olubatimi. You know, Virginia academically, I think, is technically ahead of Michigan, um, and so so you know, there's no trouble there. I think Michigan, you may, they can always go after a Virginia transfer. Um, you know, because you, you you think those credits will transfer. That's that's really the thing when we say academics. It's not these. It's not that these players can't necessarily get into Michigan, but Michigan's transfer system, and you know, a lot of Alejandro, you and I probably know people from our time at Michigan uh, who transferred in and and lost a bunch of credits, or they had to really you know scour that system like a hawk in order to not lose an extra semester of credit. So that's. That hurts Michigan, I think, more than the the actual admissions part of things. But regardless, Virginia credits will transfer over. I thought that was that was really savvy, and they took care of that before they even played in the playoff. Um, you know, they didn't wait. You know, they saw those guys and they said, "Yep, they, they'll help us." And, and Gentry was a former recruiting target of Michigan. Probably, probably would have committed to Michigan had Bronco Mendenhall not gone from BYU to UVA. Um, yeah, I think they always liked Michigan. And when Mendenhall left UVA, they said, okay, well, you know, is Michigan still interested? So that one, that one was pretty easy, but I thought the center pickup was big. I agree with you. I, I think linebackers probably the next most important. I do think there is some value. Well, first of all, I should say quarterback. If a player transfers out, they've already lost Dan Valari. If another quarterback transfers out, then yes, they have to get someone maybe like an Alan Bowman type and Alan Bowman might technically still be on the team next year, but, but someone like that who understands that they're probably not going to start, but that they can be one play away that they'd be very valuable. But I think the one underrated area Michigan could pursue is, and they, and they did try to with, I believe his name was uh, Diamante Trianum. Trianium. Uh, he was Arizona State's like number two. He was their thunder back. You know, thunder and lightning's the the cliche. He was the thunder, and he ended up committing to Ohio State to play linebacker. Sounds like he grew up an Ohio State fan. Uh, I think he's from Akron. But if you can find maybe a a, a bruiser back, a thunder back, uh, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> a big guy uh, that that'll eat up some of those third down yards, some of those those short yarded situations, because Blake Horam, Donovan Edwards are fantastic, but with where they're fantastic and and have the NFL potential is their abilities as pass catchers, as outside the tackle runners, uh, as as shifty guys. Hassan Haskins quietly, well, not quietly. It started out quietly, then it became very loud because he had over twelve hundred yards. But but he really carried Michigan's offense this season at times. I think back to that Penn State game. You know, it was, it was only one hundred and fifty four yards, but man, it was a it was a tough. 154 yards and obviously everyone knows about his five touchdowns against Ohio State um I don't think they need a starter at running back I think Edwards and Corum are going to take up most of the carries but if they can find somebody who maybe in that 220 225 pound frame you know six foot 225 uh who can who can go between the tackles and and not just go between the tackles and take up some yards but like really likes the contact really likes that that opportunity um maybe maybe like a bj askew but but more of a modern version so he's not not going to be a fullback but but someone like haskins or maybe even bigger uh who can just be kind of that bowling ball up the middle for michigan i think there is some value there i don't know that it's worth 
you know, calling up every running back. But if you see someone in the portal, um, you know, maybe put a couple calls in. Maybe there's maybe there's someone who can help you there. Uh, your thoughts on that? Am I, am I crazy for that? I, I it just feels like they could probably not knowing what CJ Stokes or Tavier Dunlap, two guys who probably will fit that mold eventually. Um, but not knowing what they're going to bring this year. That was maybe the one other position I was taking, keeping an eye on. I think all Michigan really needs to do is find the most well-built hurdler that it has on its campus, put them in pads and, and a uniform and a helmet and get them on the football team. Uh, that's really all you need to replace Hassan Haskins. There you go. But in all honesty, I, there was there's a lot to be said for having a bruising running back uh, like Haskins was last year. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, he would always move the pile forward a couple yards. And especially as Michigan had some struggles in short yardage situations, uh, yeah, especially when, when they really had to grind out games. Hassan Haskins was was that sort of player. You know, I'm I'm not comparing him to Derrick Henry, but he's the sort of guy who, when you hand him the ball 15, 20 times by the fourth quarter and it's cold out and he's lowering his shoulder and driving forward every time, he wears down a defense. And you absolutely saw that against Penn State. You saw that, obviously, in the Ohio State game. Michigan doesn't necessarily have that next year. Uh, I don't think they need it. I, I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I, I think that Coram and Edwards, like they're not Haskins. They're not that same physical stature, uh, but they're both guys who, who pack a punch themselves. And also I think Michigan's going to be a little bit more dynamic in that run game and in that passing game, incorporating the running backs. And I think that's going to bring an extra dynamic that you couldn't quite get out of Haskins. But I, I, I could see where it would be helpful to have have a guy who can do short yardage. Um, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I, I'm not really – I don't think it's a priority. I think really the defensive end is, is where Michigan should be most focused for transfer, transfer portal needs. I think Michigan can find a guy to be their short yardage back whether or not they find someone in the portal. Like they have those guys on their roster. Uh, but the more the merrier, right? Yeah, I think that's the big thing is is they're not we're not they're not looking for a starter, right? They're not looking for someone who's going to carry the ball twenty times a game. Uh, and and let's be clear, Corum, he's been called pound for pound the strongest player on the team. I, I believe he told us in August that he squats three hundred fifteen pounds twenty five times in a row. You know, and it does twenty five reps. I got to make sure I speak the right weightlifting language. But uh, yeah, so he's he's not some slouch. I mean, he's he's built. You you can see his off season training. I mean, he's he's a strong dude. And so yeah, this would not be this would not be a glamorous position. This would be someone who who uh, wants to be a part of a winning team and, and likes to hit. You know, and wants kind of that that cult following at Michigan because because you know if you if you pick up some some after contact yards or some fall forward yards. Michigan fan base will embrace that and, and they'll love you for it because you're right. Edwards, he's not weak either. Um, you know, I really, the only weakness in his recruiting profile was that he just fumbled the ball sometimes. You know, he had some ball security issues. I mean, he was, he was compared to Alvin Kamara. It's not like Alvin Kamara's not running between the tackles ever. I mean, he's, he's productive 
all over the place. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I think they both can, can do the job. I don't think that they're, they're shy of it, but that was maybe the one spot on the offense. If I'm looking and I'm thinking, what could they add to this offense if, if they could? Um, Cause I actually think like Andrew Stuber, I think they've got two uh, offensive tackles ready to go. Carson Barnhart, Trente Jones, you know, and, and who knows, maybe Andrew Gentry, Jeffrey Percy, Tristan Bounds, you know, those guys offer some very good size and, and, and reach to go with Barnhart and Jones athleticism. So yeah, going to be interesting, but you bring up a good point that maybe the passing attack is just better next year and they don't, maybe the, the middle of the field isn't as crowded. Maybe they can spread this, you know, opposing defenses out and they don't necessarily need to run these tough yardage situations. So Plenty to, 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 to debate, to stew on. We'll have lots of stories. The draft deadline is, I believe, Monday. So eventually this stuff will be completely finalized, and then we can start going position by position in our stories, uh, You know, taking a look at, at who's, who's still around, who's, who's taking off, and, and what Michigan needs to do um, to replicate their success. I mean, that is, that is the one thing, and, and I think this is a big part of why Elston Hiring happened. I think it's going to be a big part of any transfer portal pickups. Michigan is able to sell a much better product right now. Last year, Jim Harbaugh, you know, not only did he replace six assistant coaches, he had to do it without any guarantee that they, they would have the job more than a year or two. I mean, he was going in, and I'm sure he did his best selling. But you know, you think about Mike McDonald and, and George Hilo and Steve Klingscale and, and some of these coaches that that you know Mike Hart that took over these jobs, they didn't know what Michigan was going to be. Michigan was coming off a two and four season and its coach was very publicly on the hot seat. Now, you know, I guess there is still technically some uncertainty, but it's the good kind of uncertainty that the NFL teams might take Jim Harbaugh, but you know, they're coming off a playoff appearance. They're coming off a big 10 title. You can tell assistant coaches and you can tell players that's the standard. So that is, I guess the one perk that Michigan has this year as opposed to last is that, you know, when they fill these holes, they can, they can go out and hit trail as, as a top 10 program. They don't have to, you know, convince people that they, that the team might be good this season. They, they, they the proof's in the pudding. And so it's going to be very interesting to follow. Obviously we'll have all the updates over to michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Check it all out. We also have basketball and recruiting podcasts. Um, where we, I think, we all kind of took a, a couple breaths after the, the season ended just to just to recalibrate, uh, recharge the batteries a little bit. But there, Tim McCormick and Sam Webb had a basketball pod the other day. We will probably have one Sunday or Monday. Um, kind of stay tuned, see how Michigan looks against Illinois tonight. And then obviously we'll get back into our uh, once or twice a week rhythm that we were that we're typically in. For Alejandro Zuniga, I am Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.